Welcome to Kashmir's on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir's Magazine. And we are hoping to have tonight a very special guest who will be joining us shortly in the studio. But until that time, we'll take care of a few other things, and then we'll be able to go deal with him And when he comes, at uh, which will be only a few minutes from now. It's Hashem. I'd like to mention uh, an opportunity. Uh, it's something that uh, when I always say that when we have uh, opportunities outside of the uh, of our of our show, we want to let you know about it as well. So we have a special right now on Kashmir's magazine. You can get a free copy, a free copy of Kashmir's magazine. Not an old issue, but the next issue. The next issue is Mashgiach of the Year. It's Kosher Fest, and that's topic we'll be taking up a little bit tonight. It's a very interesting issue, full full regular issue. Normally it would cost $3.75 in the store. If you ordered it from us with shipping, it's $6. Absolutely free. How do you get it? You go to jdeal.com. J-D-E-A-L.com. It's not affiliated with JRoot, but whenever we have a special outside, I always offer it to our JRoot people. It's Zero dollars, no commitment, nothing. And also you get a reduced price on future issues, on future magazine subscription if you'd like. So again, just go to JDeal, look for Kashmir's Magazine. I think it's right there when you open it up, but certainly it's right there. And uh, you have to do it between now and I think Thursday. It uh, could be Friday, but definitely has to be done in the next few days because it was it's run for 10 days and it's it, was, it started last week. So make sure you don't miss it. Do it tonight. Do it tomorrow. If you want to, Wednesday. But don't wait much longer. Uh, and just sign up. All you do is give your information into the computer, and you'll be getting a subscription. You'll be getting a free copy, which is going to go out in a few weeks around Hanukkah time. So uh, this is an opportunity. If you never try Kasha's magazine, the good time to try it. <laughs> if you're already getting the magazine, <clears throat> don't do this because it's going to mess up your subscription tremendously. You'll get a second copy. You'll get different renewal notices. You'll be all confused. It, it is not worth it. But if you haven't received the magazine in about a year, so this is a great opportunity to try us again. And if you never saw it, this is fantastic. Wherever you live in the United States, you can sign up with JDeal for $0.00, zero cents, a, free, a free copy of Cautious Magazine. So just jdeal.com. And it's self-explanatory from that point on. <clears throat> I just want to say a word about our sponsor, which is uh, Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. When you think of, of uh, Glotmart, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. And whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you'll save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. At Glotmart, you'll save time by using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items you purchased in the store. And at Glotmart, the quality of the meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Some of the items that are on sale right now, today and tomorrow, and the new ones come out on Wednesday, but today and tomorrow you can buy family pack fillet steak, $9.99 a pound. Veal spare ribs, $8.49 a pound. Uh, Oberlander chocolate babka, 15 ounce, $2.99. 
Raw tilapia fillets, three twenty-nine a pound. Taster's Choice Coffee, seven ounce, six ninety-nine. Tuftam Baba Ganoush, seven five ounces, two dollars and ninety-nine cents. These are just some sample prices. And at uh, Glockmart, the quality of meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dovin Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kashras on the Air or with J-Root Radio and wish them a special mazel tov that for the, uh, to the, uh, the, fa- the Bauman family uh, if you see him in the store. Now, we're going to open the phones to any calls that you have. You want to call us about any topic at 718-683-5858. The topic we're going to be discussing is Kosher Fest, which takes place next week. Again, 718-683-5858. And if you want to text us, the texting number is 347-927-8398. Nissim, can you help me get it open over here? Uh, so until we, until we hear from somebody, I want to just mention a few words about Kosher Fest. Kosher Fest takes place next week. It's a trade show. It's not for consumers. And uh, although it's nice to see all the different products, but really it's a, a, a trade show and ex- exclusively. And it's been uh, it's the, actually the 26th year of Kosher Fest, and we've been with the show from the very very beginning. As you'll see, hopefully you'll be hearing tonight from our guest a little bit more about the background of Kosher Fest. Each year, Kosher Fest uh, features about 350 different businesses. Uh, they have booths, about 350, and each one bringing new products that they're bringing to market, showing you their latest products. And uh, the people in the uh, in the Kosher, oh my God, we're getting okay, we're getting oh. Okay, we have our guest, and I and I get a special guest tonight is Rabbi Menachem Lubinsky, the uh, head of Lubacom, a um, media agency, and the actually the uh, former owner of Kosher Fest, and he's still involved with it. So, without further ado, welcome, welcome to the air, Menachem. Thank you very much uh, for having me. It's, it's our pleasure. We go back a, a few years. Yes. Back to the, I, yes, I remember where we where we first met. Right, it was in Eretz Israel, and then we were having some difficulties with the Arabs in those days. Didn't change very much no, the whole time. Uh, unfortunately, I don't see it changing too yeah. uh, too rapidly yeah. either. Yeah, Mashiach uh, will come. Then yeah. change it. We, we're talking a little bit about Kosher Fest, and you're going to have to help us along because sure. obviously you were with Kosher Fest in the real sense of the word much longer than I've been. And I'm only on the outside, although I remember Irving Silverman. Who started Kosher Fest? He called it something else then. He called it called it an exhi- ex- exhibition. What did he call it? Well, it, it was the uh, Kosher Food and Jewish Life Expo. Oh, that's what he called and, it. And uh, when I took it over, I changed the name to Kosher Fest. Right. He was never really involved in Kosher Fest. Uh, right. But so the twenty-six years is from Kosher Fest, not from the original. Right, it's from Kosher Fest. It's uh-huh. not from the original. If you add the original, it goes back to uh, another three years. Really? Wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. But it was a vision that he had that was it was awesome. It, it was ripe, and he was the best salesman I ever saw. He could sell your house a second time. He was a tremendous salesman, and he put together a, 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 a blockbuster show. 
the, the first ones had, uh, they claimed 50,000 people. I don't know if yes. the numbers are yes, accurate. Yes, you know, those are very numbers. accurate. And he was, he, I know that from the fire marshal who oh, tried really? to close us down at the time. <laughs> yeah. And it was a, a shtick he had. He put something on your hand. That was the second year he did it. He put something on your hand and said, you can only stay two hours and then you have to leave because otherwise people would have filled up so much you couldn't get in. Yeah, but it was uh, it was an entirely different show. No, it was uh, uh, Judaica and no. uh, Jewish life and organizations. It was not at all focused to the trade as it is today. No, it was not in the trade. Oh, yeah. And um, it took me a while to realize where, where the opportunity was and to sort it out from a marketing point of view to see strategically how this thing could develop and how the industry could develop. Um, but, but the exhibit, <clears throat> but the show you, you you did shows for Jewish life also. They didn't have the same knack that this thing has. Well, it's a, it's a different product because th those shows were consumer shows. Right. Consumer shows are uh, very labor intensive. Uh, they're they're very costly up front. Uh, there's you have to spend a lot of money on marketing and advertising. <clears throat> this kosher fest was a, a legitimate trade show, which is an entirely different uh, product, and that's and that's what we have today. Well, it's a it's a huge success, and I I think it's completely sold out again. Didn't, didn't they yes, sell it? Yes, it is. It's completely which sold is... out. Uh, it's in the Meadowlands Exposition Center, which we found to be an excellent location. Right. First of all, a lot of the supermarket chains have their offices in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. A lot of people drive down from Philadelphia and from all over the, e they the East Coast. They come from out of the country, too. Right, right, right. But they, they they just don't want to go through New right, York. Right, right. Um, there are almost 2,000 hotel rooms in the area, which means the people who come in from all over the world, I mean, there, are, there are visitors there from, I believe, 19 countries that, that come to, to the show. It's very easy for them to get a hotel and be right next door, mm -hmm. literally within walking distance of the, uh, of the, the convention center. Now, at, at the, uh, the present time, uh, so what are some of the special things that are happening this year? What, what what do you see more unique? I mean, it changes a little bit every year. Not that much because you reach the point where really everybody is making more or less the same things. It's just a question of I have more items and more of this. But it basically is pretty stabilized. The, the industry is not uh, every year coming up with extraordinarily new things. It's fine-tuning. And so some people say to me, it's the packaging. We change the packaging. We change the mix. We make it a little more interesting. But what, what do you see interesting happening right now? Well, uh, first of all, there are 90 new exhibitors this year. So automatically, there's going to be a lot of new products. Um, we estimate uh, about there are about 500 new items that go on the kosher market every year. Only 500? It's about 500 new items. That's a lot. I mean, you're talking about... No, but there's brand them. names. You could have You could have some of them uh, well, in one, not, one company not, making 10 brand, 20, well, 50 brand, brand names. We call that line extension. Okay. If somebody decides to come out with a different flavor or uh -huh. to uh, to tweak a product, yeah. that's line extension. But if you want to uh, talk about uniquely different products, you're talking about 300. And there are about 300 new products at Kosher Fest, which is an awful lot. I mean, uh, if, you, if you think about... Uh, items that uh, were not on the scene, for example, the fake, uh, the Facon, right. uh, or the, um, I know this year, for example, I see a lot, a lot of different sauces have become very, 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 very important big. in the, in yeah. the, in the menu, I, a list of, of the Jewish, of the kosher household. Right. And then they had a lot of restaurants are, are you know, they're, they're, they're popular restaurants. They'll produce their, their sauces, and, and they're selling them as well. Yeah, but you know, the, the interesting thing is is that in the non-kosher market, 
there, there has been a progression in almost every category. In kosher, it has not taken hold. For example, you know, uh, if you take cheese as a category, right, it took a while for, for the kosher um, community to catch up to some of the cheese that was available, even in Europe and and Eretz which were kosher. So this year you have a, a, somebody, a manufacturer of artisan cheese, right. very much handcrafted cheese. Um, I don't think our community is fully educated on cheese. No, uh, no more than they were 30 wine, years ago about wine. wine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, there is a progression going on every year at Kosher Fest that if you really follow it, you see the changes. The, they're not subtle. They're, they're, pre- they're pretty significant. And you see them, they show up in all of these magazines now that have recipes week by week. The cookbooks, the number of cookbooks. I mean, that's an extraordinary. But I, I remember when Kosher Fest first started. Um, Bob Bust, the cookbook, one or two of them, that was it. There were... Literally yeah, a handful sure, of yeah, cookbooks. Yeah, sure, Today there are over 120 cookbooks on the market. Mm-hmm. Over mm-hmm. 120. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the joke is the uh, uh, the lady in Lakewood who asked her husband to vacate all the svarim because she says he's not using it often, but she uses <laughs> the, the cookbooks. You know, so she wanted the shelves for the cookbooks. And, and, li- and literally, it's uh, it is the best selling safer. Well, uh, we know what the Susie uh, Fishbane did for uh, Art Scroll is 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 a classic. Right, it's a Susie Fishbane, Jamie Geller. I mean, there's no, but a that, whole. That was the, I, when I when I spoke to Art Scroll, I was down there once, and they told me that uh, that is the biggest seller they have of any of any. any beats all the with, with, without question. As as the generation uh, progressed, there was a there was an interesting dichotomy of people were going out more, right. but at the same time they were cooking more. Uh, and it wasn't just cooking. It was it was presentation. They're changing I mean, the cooking. I mean, today, a young housewife also has to be a real chef. I mean, she has to worry about the table settings. She has to worry about the type of plates that she's going to be serving, how the presentation is going to be on the plate. Uh, and there's and it's become very competitive. I mean, and and if using social media, people, uh, there are hundreds mm, and hundreds mm. of bloggers just on recipes. Mm. Yeah, I know that. I know that. That's yeah. very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um what about the the price of kosher food? I'm interested. Not again. I know what what it costs to buy something in Borough Park, Flatbush, and I know what it costs to buy something in Florida because of the transportation of the products down there. But what bothers me a little bit is uh, the variation. We can explain, um, you know, on 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 a, on a Hamish product why it has to cost more than a national product because of the distribution aspect the and the purchasing of it it's it's built into our system it can't really get away completely but it seems to me that there's a big movement into upscale and it seems that there's a that 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 people are really being i would say forced but socially forced to spend more and more i remember when shabbos nash when the uh, shabbos party that the kids have was pretzels an apple, and a few other items. Mm-hmm. And today, if you don't get the dried fruit, the right dried fruit, the real dried fruit, the real this, the real that, and you're talking about everything costing uh, an arm and a leg. So are, are we hurting ourselves with these pricing? Is it pricing real? Is, is, do you see anything funny about the pricing, or is it all real? Well, to, to some extent, I think that um, people have to realize that before you go into the kosher aspect, there are variables that determine price. Um, the cost of fuel can affect price. 
commodities, how you buy raw materials. All of that go, goes into price. And the truth is, as big as and as great as the kosher market is, it, it is very small. And therefore, when when our manufacturers buy, they can't buy like a Heinz or a, or a Dannon or anybody else. They are paying top price for commodities, for raw, raw materials, and that all affects price. Kashrus has some role in it, but to some extent, it is not as much as people think it is on the overall picture. Um, one manufacturer told me that he pays more to maintain his machines than he does to maintain his kashrus. Mm. But pe- people, it's become a misnomer that because it's kosher, it costs mm-hmm. more. And then if you actually take a, um, a sample of kosher and a sample of, of non-kosher, and you compare the two, um, rarely have I seen more than a 10% or 12% disparity in price. That, that of course, changes when you get to uh, meat and dairy. But everything else, packaged goods, uh, canned goods, uh, even frozen, uh, does not have those kind of, kind of premiums. As, uh, I think retailers today work literally on pennies. Mm-hmm. They, they work on volume, obviously, to make up for whatever, for the small margins that they make. But it, it, it's a misnomer that kosher, it is more expensive to be kosher, there's no question about it, but it's not because anybody has decided to take advantage of the fact that you're kosher and therefore they're going to make sure that you pay a higher price. It's because it legitimately costs more to produce, it costs more to distribute, it costs more to get it to the retailer, all of, for all of those reasons. Uh, I'd like to invite any of our listeners, if they'd like to call in now, it would be a good opportunity. So if they'll speak to myself and to Rabbi Lubinsky from uh, Lubicom and from Kosherfest. Our number at the studio is 718-683-5858. We have more to talk about, but if you'd like to call in and then ask your questions about the food products or about Kosherfest, 718-683-5858. Or you can text us uh, at 347 927 3398. I want to um, I want to ask you I have a, a major concern. I'm, I have a, you know, a lot of interests and one of my interests is key outreach and it, it bothers me no end that we lost the conservative market to kosher. It, it, you call, we're, we're talking about business so we're talking market. I'm sorry that we lost the kosher, the, the kosher observance of the conservative Jew. Uh, the numbers that I've studied make it it's paltry numbers somewhere between you know uh, uh, 10 20 percent of conservative jews are keeping kosher in the house out of the house whatever you have you mix it around it's just a drop in the bucket uh, it, and we have in our country aside from that we have um people who have been exposed to the key of organizations but it didn't really take the first time they, but they've been exposed. They've been warmed up a little bit, but they didn't go the extra mile. And we have people who come from Russia who, unfortunately, I don't think they have the background to even discuss the word kosher. Uh, then we have Israelis who always ate kosher in Israel. I mean, many, where they were traditional, whatever. Then they come to America, and, of course, most of the, the restaurants are not kosher. So what could we do, what could Kosher Fest do, what can be done to attract some of these people? I'm specifically thinking conservative and and Israeli. That's where my mind is at. Well, th- that's a whole discussion unto itself because that 
relates to the demographic changes of the Jewish community in America. Um, when you look at kosher, if you, there's been a shift in, in the demographics in that Sadie maybe doesn't live in California anymore, but her grandson might live somewhere else where there's no kosher food. If you ask me the biggest um, reason for why kosher has succeeded <coughs> has been the availability of it, the accessibility of it. And you go thousands of we, we know that there are about 18,000 supermarkets in the United States that carry matzah before Pesach. Mm. And, that, and that's out of about 32,000 supermarkets overall. Um, there so is half the supermarkets have it and say half don't have it. Half don't have it. Wow. Now, we, what we're noticing is, is that, the, yes, the Orthodox growth is making up for a lot of the losses certainly, now I'm talking dollars and cents here, and I'm not getting into And the, numbers, also, because we're up the, to a million Orthodox people keeping kosher, at least yeah, that much we have, right. and maybe another few hundred thousand st- somewhere thrown in who were followers but not but, committed. But, but we find that when a conservative or reformed Jew are, live near a place that has kosher food, they will buy it. Really? They will go, they, for example, I've, I've seen this in Las Vegas. I've seen this in places like that. You have a, a kosher deli counter. It could be right next to a non-kosher deli counter. They'll go to the kosher deli counter. There is something so in them. First of all, they remember some of the foods. They remember the chopped liver and the, and the, and the, uh, the pacha and all that kind of stuff. And they, and they want to go back to it. It's back to grandma's house. So, yeah, an overall picture, they're not, they're not, not eating kashas. But remember... The, the, reason, the reason the Frum community uh, does so well is because if we have a family of four, uh, we spend about $17,500 a year on food as compared to an average non-Jew who spends less than $6,000 on food. The, the six, he has the same size family? Same size family. Family of 6, four. 6000 as compared 17? to about 17000 There's wow. a good reason for this. As I tell, I tell a lot of the supermarket uh, buyers, I said, remember, our market, we have 52 holidays before we have the first holiday. <laughs> <laughs> because every week is a holiday, right, and we right. buy we buy like for a holiday. We buy right. flowers, and we buy aluminum foil, and we buy paper dishes. And we go away for the summer. We come back, and we haven't had a single holiday yet. There are Fifty-two holidays. So yeah. when you look at the numbers, yeah. the numbers, and yeah. and and who are, and families of four are becoming even rare. Right. Who has a family of four? I just right. picked on a family of four. Wow. Okay, we got callers. Let's take them, please. Okay, you're on Kashus on, on the Air with Rabbi Menachem Lubinsky and Rabbi Yosef Wickel. Go ahead, please. You're there. Hello? No, I don't know if they could be there, but they don't hear us. Okay, let's, let's take the next caller. Okay, you're on Kashus on the Air. Would what do you like, like best? What was the best? Excuse me? Hello? You're on the air, ma'am? I don't think she, he, she doesn't hear us or... She doesn't hear us. Okay. Hello. 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 Yes. You're you're on the air, ma'am. Hello. What what do you want to ask? You're on the air. Oh, okay. I I hear um something in the background, so it's just a little. I want to ask. Is your is your radio or something on? It was made in a flea sugar pot. It has to be shallow. Okay. Could it be warmed up in a glass pyro pot? One second. I, I'm sorry, but I missed it. You're telling asking Shyla. Go ahead. What's the Shyla? Shyla is that I have a pyro soup made in a flesh of the kale. Right. And it, and Can it, it yeah. be heated up in a pyro glass pot? 
Again, the when you said Fleishika Kaylee, was it used? I can't within, hear you. I'm sorry. You said Fleishika Kaylee. Was it used within 24 hours for no. meat? Okay. So then the answer to your question is yes. Okay. Okay. You know, there's cross conversation while I'm listening to you on the uh, telephone. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Thank you very much for calling in. It's a very wonderful show. I always enjoy it. Thank it's you. Okay. If anybody would like to speak to Robert Robinski uh, from the Kosher Fest and from Lubacom, calls at 718 683 5858. Rabbi Lubinsky, I, I wanted to ask, you know, one of the concerns that I have every year, and I know, okay, you want to go on? Okay, we'll take the call. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Can we help you? Uh-huh. You're on the air. Go ahead. Why don't so many kosher items during an expiration date? He's asking, she's asking why don't kosher, a lot of the kosher items not have expiration dates? As far as I know, there, there are very specific uh, requirements for certain perishables that require expiration dates. Not everything requires expiration date because they may have a very long shelf life to begin with. So without knowing the specifics, I can't answer you. Uh, but if it's a perishable, it definitely should have an expiration date. That's, that's interesting. I, I, it answers a question I had always had because I, I saw many of the items that don't have. And I, now you're telling me a certain amount of it's voluntary. A certain amount is required, a certain Correct. amount is voluntary. Correct. So maybe the kosher companies are not doing when they don't have to do it. Correct. Okay. Correct. It, 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 uh, sometimes it revolves around the packaging, if it's a vacuum packed or if it's canned. Uh, there are a whole bunch of factors that go into expiration dates. I'm not the expert in it, but I do know that uh, if you see a perishable without an expiration date, it's a problem. Got it. Thank you very much for calling. We have another caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus. You're on. Oh, she's off. They're off. Okay. Uh, you can, you can, a lot of text, you know. I don't know if you want. Oh, to I, if they're on the topic, I don't. Uh, uh, okay, so I don't know. Uh, no, these are things that I really would. One, to one question yeah. that also was a uh, was on the phone line that if somebody doesn't have any uh, uh, internet, only phone, how we can get the, the Kashrus magazine? Is it can call you? Uh, or the J Deal. I'd rather they go through J Deal. Uh, um, Jay Deal is, it's, I'll have some, a friend of yours call up and just type your address in, jdeal.com, jdeal.com. We're not going to be handling it over in the phone. Okay. You're on Kashrus on the air. Go ahead, please. Are you there? Me? Yes, you're on the air. Hi. Okay. So, um, I was once, I made a hot coffee with milk in it, <laughs> and I by mistake spilled a little bit of it into a stainless steel fleecing sink. Yeah. So, and it was still, like, really, really hot. So how do I go about, like, Just don't it? use it for 24 hours and everything's fine. Okay. Thank you okay. so much. You're welcome. Okay. Um, yeah. Another one? Okay. But let, uh, Okay, thank you. You're on Kashrus on the air. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Hi, I have a Kashrus question. Okay. I have, um... Uh, we, we, we like to buy a brand of prunes, which has a hashkaha that uh, some people have some questions about. Um, so my, my question is, is there uh, something in, in how they make prunes that 
you know, the, the prunes the, are the prune. The whole thing, worry about the whole thing with the prunes is the drying with the sulfur dioxide. If it has sulfur dioxide listed, uh, and I think I know which company you're talking about. I think mm-hmm. it would be all right if you want to speak to us during the week. You can call us at seven one eight three three six eight five four four. I don't really want to take more cautious questions. I wanted to mm-hmm. talk to Robert Levinsky about kosher fest and about if they call him, they should call him about that. One of the things that we we get stuck in every year, and we talk about on the show is the question of cha- kosher challenges at Kosher Fest. Baruch Hashem, now there is a mashkiach, and the system is worked out pretty well, and uh, it's a big job. I always feel you need more than one mashkiach. I don't agree with the, the policy of one mashkiach, but there is one mashkiach. He works like a dog, and he's running around like, like all day long, and he feels it's under his control, and he's a responsible person. So, you know, if you want, if, the, if that's fine, that's fine. But there still are issues that a person who goes to one of these shows should know. And he should be able to differentiate between Kosher Fest and any other food show that has kosher food, such as Fancy Food Show, where there is no mashkiach and no control, and one doesn't know anything about what the foods are over there. So you would just give us a little bit from your point of view of how to navigate. Well, yeah, the first thing is is that uh, there's not one mashgiach. There are thousands of mashgiachim because <laughs> there, are, there are people walking around constantly bringing things to the attention, questioning. So the, the dynamics are there. Secondly, almost every major kashrus organization is represented there uh, with some of their senior people that are there. Um, the, the, the main issues that we try to avoid is the bishalakum. That's number one. Number two, of course, basavacholov which has sometimes become an issue. And third is an issue that we faced many years ago, but Baruch Hashem, we don't have it. It's using an ancillary product to sample a product. In other words, they might use a cracker on a dip. The cracker does not have ashgocha. So that, that's what the mashgiach checks on the day before kosher fest. He checks that everything that's used has ashgocha. And the and things then that came in also He also arrives equipment. in the morning yeah, right. early to turn on if somebody has a, a, a burner or whatever they have mm-hmm. to, to heat the, the product, he makes sure that that's turned on. Other than that, it is consumer beware. Right. I mean, remember, just you walk in the street, there might be a pizza store next to the butcher store. So you know, you know that you're going to eat. I always suggest that there's, there's a, the, the perfect way to, to visit Kosher Fest is to do the dairy because <laughs> that's in the morning. Yeah. Uh, then you do the flashics, and right. of course, part of you can do it anytime. Right. So uh, you know, guide yourself. But if you, you finish go, the milk, you you'll never be having. I know. Room. I know people that go online and actually yeah. go through all the exhibitors and map out their their, their visit to Kosher Fest. You mm. know, it's in a very responsible way. But I've also seen people that sometimes get so caught up in this that they're not a hundred percent mockbit as they would be in their normal lives. Right. But also, we want to stress that whatever we talked about here, it's ain't no doima when you go to a, a, a regular food show. You have no idea. You don't Absolutely. know that they're not mixing. Uh, they, they may p- put up a, a very big sign that they're kosher certified, but in the booth itself, there's no ashgacha. Right. They have no idea what's going on there. Right, right. Uh, I, it, it's, a, it's really a, yeah. really a pachat. Yeah. And, and I've, been at, those, those, I've mm. been at the fancy food show many times, and yes, you'll find somebody non-orthodox person selling a product that has a hashgacha, but then I, I ask him, 
you know, you didn't give me in the back of the packages. Oh, no, we made this in our, this kitchen, you know, a sampling kitchen. So they may not even have a kosher certification. Right, and, as, and as you know, uh, every person that walks through a, a, a regular food show with a yarmulke is automatically a rabbi. <laughs> you know, I, so, I saw him eat. Well, no, they, they ask you shyless. They, they say, hey, you're a rabbi. Could you answer this question yeah, here yeah, from yeah. this man right, right here? Right, right. And they automatically think, and, and, and also lately in the last couple of years, there's almost a feeling of guilt. Somebody goes by and he says, well, well you know, we're not kosher yet, but right, we're going right. to be kosher. They always, always claim they're going to be kosher. Right, they're going to be kosher. So, uh, and I think that's part of the, uh, the process that's been going on in, in, in the United States and certainly around the world. I mean, I, I like to say that um, there, there is no item in the world anywhere that is as widely branded as kashrus. I mean, we, we certify products in 99 countries. Right. You can't even sell in the United States today if you don't have a kosher product. You, who are you going to sell to? You can't sell to Coke. You mm -hmm. can't sell mm -hmm. to Danon. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're in Thailand or in Korea or wherever. You have to be kosher today. It's like, it's sort of like uh, interesting dynamics that happened, and and also remember, uh, you know, it's Israel and Europe. It's not only the American market that uh, the, uh, isn't the kosherous. I mean, it's Israel today is a uh, close to a twenty billion dollar uh, food market. Mm. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Even especially with the fruits and vegetables that they're selling uh, in Europe, it's a phenomenal amount of uh, right, business. Right. Right. Okay, we, uh, we, if we'll accept any calls if you want, 718-683-5858. Uh, people ask here, how come kosher foods don't have a phone number or contact information? That's, that seems to be easy. A lot of Hamish companies, like we said before, uh, do whatever the minimum is. But isn't there something, what, what is required to be on the label? Uh, the, the plant, the... The city, the state, the way, what what has to be on the label? Yeah, the, the minimum. It's just the name of, of the manufacturing plant and uh, some uh, either the country or the city and state. We don't need an address and we don't, need, don't need a telephone an address, number. But I've told many many people who have called me and said I'd like to contact this company. So the easiest way to get information is to look at look at the cashers, call the cashers agency, and, <laughs> and they will give you the the phone number and right. the address if you want to write. Wow, that's interesting. You have to go yeah. backwards. Okay. Uh, So they asked, "Who is the um, who is who is this mashgiach, and uh, you know what, what is there a kosher certification on kosher fest?" Yes, there is. Uh, the mashgiach is Rabbi Mendelssohn, and he officially works for ACO, which is the Association of Kashrus Organizations, uh, which I must say is, has done incredible work in uniting the kashrus agencies. And the day after kosher fest, by the way, they have a conference at the OU headquarters, and they deal with with stuff like. Uh, uh, infestation in vegetables, technology, mashgichim, uh, 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 a whole range of different topics, and they and they they are responsible for a lot of the uniformity. Imagine if there wasn't an ako, so there'd be a p on a product. One person would call it parv, and one person would call it Passover or pesach. So this uniformity, and also which which products need hashgacha, which don't, what they call category group one, group yeah. one. They've done extraordinary, and, and of course, technology has, has thrown a monkey wrench into the whole process of kashras, which there are today, Baruch Hashem, there are Rabbanim that are very well versed in, the, in technology, and they also call in experts whenever they need it. They call in scientific experts. So, yeah, it's under, under the Ashgach of Akko, and it's under Rabbi Mendelssohn, who is the Mashgiach. Right, and he's been doing it for a number of years already, about three, three four years. Yes, he, he knows and the he, show. He, has, as, as and he knows it very well. So, uh, they, uh, if, but... But again, 
when you do eat, think before you eat. <laughs> Make a bracha, but also think before you eat. Uh, that that the, the show, meaning that they're watching the products that are there, that nothing is going to happen wrong. The ones who certify the, the raw product is the one that has a sign there that says this is an OU, a Star K, or whatever it is. And I know that uh, Lubinsky was very uh, careful in trying to keep the show on the American standard of Kashrus, which I know you ran into a little snag recently, back a year or two ago, you had a little snag on that, and you were able to uh, to overcome that, that uh, you know we're not going to go below the American standard of Kashrus. You're not going to get into the show and distribute and, and exhibit if you can't handle the, st- the standard that we that we want at the show. Oh, absolutely. I, I think, uh, you know, to their credit, our island today has become a lot more versed in Kashrus. And it isn't like I remember a couple of years ago, I walked into the kitchen of one of the major restaurants here in New York, and the mashgiach was sitting there and he said, you know, I, was, I, I came over to talk to the mashgiach. And he said, I, there's, there are many people that walk in here, ask the chef for, for the recipe of a product they ate. Nobody came over to me to ask me about the kashras. <laughs> so he was kind of like uh, excited that somebody came over to eat kashras. But I think, I think people are today understand that, uh, that kashras today is it's a mammoth undertaking. I, I have to tell you that the kashras organizations are doing a job that a government could never do. I mean, to, to police that as many products as they do. We're looking at probably between ingredients and and packaged goods, well over four hundred thousand items that the cashless agencies are on top of. Of course, there, there's always violations, and 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 more or less, there are publications like Cashless Magazine and others that alert the the Tzibur about that, and it needs to be. But by comparison, if you look at the bigger picture of cashless and you look at the violations and the aberrations, you have to say that the cashless agencies are one of the unsung heroes and the mashgichim of our generation. Absolutely. And that's why every year, we, the last five years, we're giving an award, and we give it at a kosher fest uh, to the mashgich of the year. And we chose our mashgich of the year. I'm not telling anybody yet who it is, but we hopefully we'll have him down at, at kosher fest to give him his $1,000 award from, uh, from us, from Kasha's Magazine, uh, because uh, to us, the mashgich, even more than the organization that you're talking about, the mashgiach who's there on the scene and puts in unbelievable hours. I, I can't even tell you. It would, it would shock you 5 o'clock in the morning, sometimes to 11 o'clock at night. I, this is what the man told me he does. And, uh, and he has to be there at 5 o'clock because you have to turn the fires in on, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they put in un- unbelievable days, and they're not getting paid that much, and they love it. The ones that I speak to, and I want you to know, Menachem, that these, these people that I speak to, they are the salt of the earth. I speak to some, some of the top mashkichim, and I'm sitting there in awe of, the, of their enthusiasm, their dedication, Mesiris Nefesh, you know, like Avram Avinu, I mean, real Mesiris Nefesh, and the, the wives that let the husbands do it, <laughs> it wasn't Mesiris Nefesh, but they love it. They're, they're, they're energized by it. Uh, there are people, you, well, you don't, maybe, I don't know if you know it, but I speak to people who are mashkichim, who had been engineers, uh, trained people in all kinds of areas. Instead, they're choosing to go into kashas, and they love the profession. They feel they're well, making I, a big No, I do. I do speak to mashkichim. In fact, one story comes to mind. Um, 
two years ago at Koshifest, I met a young fellow who decided to go into Ashgachas. And he said that he asked his Rosh Hashiva before he went in, he asked his Rosh Hashiva if he should, if he should do it. And his Rosh Hashiva told him, by all means. So, and then he said before he left, the Rosh Hashiva called him back and he says, just remember, he says, you're like a pilot on a plane. You cannot crash. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't. Unbelievable. Can we get another call? Go ahead. You're on Kashis on the air. Can we help you? Yes, good evening. Rabbi Wickler, Mr. Lubinsky. Talking about Mashkich and the worldwide amount of Hechsherim and factories, recently, right after Rosh Hashanah, there was a small article about a mistake of a sort that happened in Israel in the Tanuva factory, in the Tanuva fish item that there was a mix-up of of, uh, of uh, octopus heads or pieces instead of fish in a, in a, in a shipment of fish that went off Territ Israel right, right. under the Israeli Hachshayim. And it, it, was, it was announced, it was brought to the attention of the public in, here in Brooklyn, the question is that nobody heard anything after that. I mean, is this product also brought? Is that factory servicing the United States also? Is, is that is that factory only exclusively tied to Israel? How could such a mistake be happening that between fish and swords and octopus heads to be mixed up so easily, or, or, or was it done easily, or, or, or what was the end of that story as far as? The research behind it. I, I don't. I don't know this specific incident. I remember reading about it, but I can tell you, uh, knowing the ancestral kasher system, the way it usually works is that in in this era of mass production, there is always a small possibility of a mix-up somewhere, uh, because. Remember, things today go by computer. Things are shipped by number. They're scanned. Goes here. It goes there, but. The second that a kash, that a, the, a rov becomes uh, knowledgeable about such a thing, what do you think he does? He course, shuts it, it down. It down. Shuts time, it yeah. down until it clarifies it, makes sure he does a total investigation. Sometimes there's been recalls. I, I was in Ancestral a few years ago when there was a recall of a product, not because of a, of a legitimate cash, but there was a question about the product. So overall, yes, as I said before, it can happen, but... You have to get. You have to understand that the, the detectives on the job there. Right. As soon as they know, I, I don't know. The, remember the end of that story either. But y- you can be sure that uh, something that's sensitive like that, our our hashgachas are not importing it by mistake. Very often, what happened? I don't remember the exact story there. Was it mixed in around the stuff? It was. It was underneath it or something, or it was, and, and and like a block together, like a frozen block, and some was stuck inside. That that's a common problem. That's why uh, you know people have a lot of uh, they, they, when they buy blocks of fish, the frozen blocks of fish. People are very very concerned, and they need a strict certification from the original source. Uh, they don't want to buy blocks of fish, even if it looks like it's all kosher fish, because of exactly that. You might have inside some other kind of fish. Um, while, while, while we're on the subject, I think it's important for our, our listening public to there understand. There is a crossed line with another telephone of Hebrew-speaking people that's on top of our line. 
I don't know why, but there's a, definitely a oh, we don't an, know over, about an over it, phone call. We don't know what it's about. We're missing quite a few thousand dollars to update our equipment. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know. Okay. Now, what I was saying is um, some people don't realize the extent to which technology has helped Kashrus. For example, if a company brings in an ingredient today, there are various Kashrus agencies that immediately have that ingredient on their computer. Right. Almost on the second that it arrives at the production facility, the cashless agencies will know it. I'm not talking about all the plants that have video cameras, all the, all the plants that have a computer uh, tracking, like GPS, of products to know exactly where it came from. The extent to which technology has helped cashless is enormous. Right. Uh, thank you very much for the call. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You're on cashless on the air. You, you put him on? You're on cautious on the air. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Spe- speak up, please. <clears throat> yes, um, I bought a box of Kellogg's Raisin Bran. I was looking for the, actually, I assume that Kellogg's, you know, is kosher. That's why I remember that. But I was looking all over. I couldn't find any extra. Do you know if I can verify it or how? Uh, uh, Kellogg's company, when it has its cereals, there's a little K on it. Loose, nothing around it. Just a plain little K. That uh, means see, right under the raisin bran. Oh, so that's that's the actual that, Okay, that know. that K indicates that the company is calling it kosher. K doesn't I'm is not the same. K can be anybody. In this particular case, the K is the Vada Rabbanim of Massachusetts, and the 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 cereals that have the K are from the Vada Rabbanim of Massachusetts. And Rabbi Heinemann lists on his website that all of those that have the K from Kellogg's are kosher. There is a difference, though, in the Pop-Tarts, which is not a cereal and has a K, that's not acceptable. So that, uh, that's a distinction you should make. Okay? Uh, All right. Thank you very much. You're I welcome. Just to show you. know, it was a small okay. K. I didn't see anything around it. That's it. Thank, thank you. you so much. Okay, go ahead. You're on cautious on, you're on, cautious on the air. Can we help you? Um, yeah, I want to know Oreos. Are they O-U-D or O-U-D-E? It says O-U-D on it, so you have to contact the O-U to find out well, the I, answer. Well, I, I can amplify that. I can tell you the OU does not have an O-U-D-E. Right. The OU has an O-U-D. They might put an O-U-D on a D-E, but they do not right. have a designation of D-E. Right. But, the, but you can call the... Uh, what, we, what happens is, let's just say, the, say it the way you want to hear it, which is that any OU product that says O-U-D and it doesn't list a dairy ingredient in the list of ingredients, you can call the OU at 212-563-4000 and you ask them whether or not this product is dairy or dairy equipment, and they will answer you. And they say, call again in about six months just to be sure because they can always change their ingredients. But they encourage you to call them. For some reason, they consider this system better. I don't think it is, but that's what their system is. So again, if you have a, a product like this, Call the OU at 212-563-4000 and ask them whether this product is really a dairy equipment issue or it is a dairy product. Thank you very much for the call. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You know, I, I had an experience with this that, um, that sometimes, not only that, it's not even dairy equipment. The OU told me sometimes they're worried that the company might switch. They have a few lines. They might switch off and use this line. So rather than go to them and say, from now on, you have to carry an OUD and you have to get rid of all your labels and your, your packaging, which costs 
or maybe $100,000 or so, we'll, we, we're suggesting put on the OUD now, and this way, whatever you do, it'll be acceptable to us. So it's a preventative measure. And they'll, they'll answer that question. They'll say it's really only a preventative measure. Yeah, and, and also it has health implications to it very because, much, very much because so. of people of the allergens or the lactose intolerant. And um, so, sort of like the OU is saying that if, if it's so negligible that it's not recognizable, it doesn't affect the health either. So It does affect it. it well, it might. Because it might. It might. Can, it's not, yeah, not yeah. sure because, remember, sometimes when they do dairy equipment, that doesn't mean they're running dairy. It meant no. that sometime in the morning, six hours ago, it was used. It was used for dairy. So most medical authorities say that the, that it's not a danger. But I'm not. I'm not Paskin it, it here either way. On not the, for the medical. Depends or, on the intensity yeah, of the right, of okay. the allergy. All right. Because because. But they, the OU doesn't use the E. They've never. No, never no used they never the did. E. They didn't yeah. decide to do. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't, but they they had they, they, that was their decision. Yeah. So give us a little bit of an uh, uh, of an indication, if you can, um, where we're headed in 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 the future in kosher foods. Uh, one of the things that, that interests me is the fact that uh, there now are halal and kosher. And some people come to me and said, I mean, Wickler, they're, they're putting a, a halal symbol together with the kosher symbol. And people may easily get confused and say, oh, I saw that symbol on a product. And they may not realize that that's a halal symbol because some of them are not more nondescript. Uh, I'm sure someday... They'll use one that looks very much like a kosher symbol. Is, there's nothing we can do about this, I assume. Because some people, especially concerned with meat or other things, they, the, 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 the joint use of the halal and the kosher symbol together. Uh, I don't think we're strong enough to do anything about that. Yeah, well, for the time being, the number of products that have both a kosher symbol and a halal symbol are relatively minor and small. Uh, usually... It's the, the, you, you can find a product that has 10 symbols on it. It might be environmentally right, good. Right. So as far as if you're, if you're a ca- observant of kashras, you only look for one symbol. Right, the other symbols, right. if, if there's a symbol there that you recognize and you trust, so you eat it. What do you care if it has somebody else's symbol, even if it has halal or, or someone else? But as I said, if you were to take all of those hundreds of thousands of kosher products, it's a very, very small uh, number of products that have joint kashkochas. And, and do you have a concern that in the future um, halal may push kosher to the background because of the numbers? Um, I've, had th- I've had that concern for quite some time. Uh, the only difference is that in America, the American public to some extent covets the, the word kosher. It means better, superior, uh, You'll sometimes go to a ballpark and you'll see people who have absolutely no connection to kosher standing on the line to buy a kosher hot dog right. because of their perception that it's better. Now, that doesn't mean that I know that Halal has tried to, to make inroads in, with major companies, um, but I don't see any, any kind of trade-off that because they're doing more Halal, they're doing less, less kosher. The fact of the matter is, is that the mindset of the average guy selling food, whether it's a retailer or a wholesaler, he'd like to capture everybody. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to give up on any segment of the market. So, and that is the reason why there's so many kosher products. You know, I, I found markets, uh, 
Kansas City was a good example of, of a product, et cetera, where a Rav walked in and said, listen, I like this and this product. Can you get it? He got it. I mean, how many, how many did he sell? Ten, whatever. But the bottom line is that Kashra is, is good business. I don't believe that any supermarket in the country is doing that because they want to please the Rav. Uh, they, they are making money on it. Research has shown that, a, that an item, similar item, with a kosher symbol and without a kosher symbol, you do at least 20% better on it. But, 20%? But I want to, I uh, 20%. Wow. Right? And, and that's been done by Mintel, which is an independent wow, research that's a very, company. Nice, that's not. a very big number. And we don't know why. We, I mean, we, we didn't wow. know why Coors Beer jumped in many markets the, the second that it got the OU. Wow. You know, we're not the biggest beer drinkers in the world. And uh, mm-hmm. certainly we, we, didn't, we didn't affect it. Okay, we got another caller. Go ahead, you're on Kachos on the air. Can we help you? Go ahead, please. You're on the air. You're on the air. Do you hear us? Turn down your radio or whatever you're listening with, your phone or whatever it is. Okay. If you get a hold of them, let us know. Uh, I, I, I want to answer the, the, I think you asked a very important question. Where is Kashra's headed? Where is kosher food headed? Where is the whole industry headed? Now, first of all, remember that in the last decade, there have been enormous developments in kashras that we have not had before. I mean, just the fact that we now have super kosher supermarkets. Right. The choices that the, that the average customer has today in kashras are, in, were, are unprecedented. There was never a time in the history of the world where they had that many choices. So every type of, of uh, menu, every type of palate is being addressed. Right. When you go when you go into there, there's no longer they used to say in Europe they had a Yiddish expression, they say it's a Schwarzeinayit. And why was it Schwarzeinayit? You had to bring the chicken from the market. You had to go shecht it. You had to make your own applesauce. You had to take make your own food. Today the convenience of being kosher is incredible. There right. anything that you like, anything that you want, anything that you desire, it's there. Is there any price level that you want to pay for it? Is there? Mm-hmm. You talked about snack before. Look what happened to the kosher snack aisle. The snacks used to be in a very small corner right. of of a supermarket or of a store. Today, you have entire aisles just of just just of snacks and kids snacks. So where we're going, we're, we, I, I don't even think we've we've reached the ground floor yet. Uh, you know, there, <laughs> there, there there are now, as to my knowledge, there are six or seven new supermarkets, kosher right. supermarkets, being built. Right as as we speak, and others are being planned, so it's incredible. Are all these making money? Or they, they're putting Win Dixie and and some of the other companies are putting in huge quantities of money. Are they all winning? Well, I I don't know whether they're all making money. Uh, I I know one thing from my uh, you know I'm a I'm a strategic marketer, right? I know one thing that there's only so much and so far that you can lose money before you have to throw in the towel. Right. And, and Baruch Hashem, I don't see don't anybody see, throwing in the see, towel. I don't see it at all. Yeah. Okay, another caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Can we help you? Go ahead. Quantities uh, of money. Are they all winning? Uh, yeah, you, have to, you have to turn down whatever you're listening with because you're, you're confusing yourself. If you straighten it out, let us know. Uh, yeah. To that. Hello. The. Hello. We lost him. Okay. So, so I, I, this has always been very interesting to me about about these supermarkets. Do you think that we're reaching more people? In other words, you said before, uh, were we making it kosher more available to Jews all across the country? I remember when, when uh, Rabashkin was, was in his heyday, they were 
they had fresh chicken and meat all over America. I don't know if it's the same thing today. I got a feeling it's not. But they reached new markets, I suppose. It made yeah, well, it easier for well, people. Well, you know, and I think this is, this is a very interesting point that you raised. The effect that the Frum community is having on Kashrus overall is incredible. What do I mean by that? You can walk into a restaurant and you'll see one kosher businessman sitting with 10 people at a, at a, at a dinner, and it's all, it's all kosher. Right. They have Sidorim now where you have one Jew and 20, and 20 non-Jews, and they're buying matzah and macaroons and everything for the entire table. People are flying. They sit next to somebody who opens up a, an airline meal. Americans know about kashras mm-hmm. to, to, to an extent. Now, I have to tell you that there are, there are all kinds of ingredients on the label. They did a study once that of all the ingredients on the label, 84% of Americans said they knew one, kosher. <laughs> wow. So the, the, uh, uh, the awareness of kashras, the, the, the existence of kashras is, is very, very widespread and rampant. So let, let, we have only a few minutes left. How would somebody find out about Kosher Fest? What would you suggest they do if they want to still come to the program? Well, they can store? go online. It's www.kosherfest.com. Um, and it is open only to the trade right. officially. Um, it, it's, it's, I think the exhibitors there expect to, to do business. That's why they're there. I like to always watch. I see that there's a lot of business done between the exhibitors. I, I in fact, last year... Saw, saw the dynamics of one company buying another company right on the oh, floor. Unbelievable. How much would you want for that company? Really? Right on the floor, there was a transaction concluded. I and, you know, know. I, I have a, a really an interesting one of my, I have a lot of kosher fest stories, but one of my main kosher fest stories was an Israeli exhibitor who at 1 o'clock on the first day was closing down. Why? And I said to him, yeah. and I still remember his name, his name was Hillo. I said, Hillel, why are you closing down the booth? We still have a day and a half of the show. Right. He said, listen, I met a distributor who's going to take over all my products and he's going to distribute it. What do I have to do here? Unbelievable. So I said, well, you know, aesthetically, we can't, we can't leave the hole. And eventually he understood and he, and he kept it open. But wow. th- this is the type of business that's transacted there. And the millions of dollars gets – and especially it is, uh, it is the place where uh, supermarkets and others make their last-minute purchases for Pesach. Right. Now is Pesach. Now it is Pesach. Right, at 100%. the show you see Pesach products. There's a tremendous focus on Pesach, which is forty percent of the market. Unbelievable. Okay, well they have a few calls. Go ahead, let's try to take them some if we can. Go ahead, you're on Kashmir's on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi. Um, I want to know what, like, what's the story with the like raisins and raisin bran? I know raisins are an issue, but like, can they, can you eat like Kellogg's raisin bran? Well, we, we really weren't going to go into these things today, but. Uh, raisins are uh, an issue that some some cashless agencies recommend avoiding now, and some other ones uh, certify them. And sometimes they may do extra things. You'll have to discuss it with your own rub. I can't really do it today on the show. I'm, I'm sorry. If you want to oh, talk okay. to us directly, you. You, can call us, you can call us at 718-336-8544. just want to remind everybody what I mentioned before, which is that if you would like to get a free copy of Cashless Magazine, Go to jdeal.com, J-D-E-A-L.com. Sign up, but you have to do it this week, and you'll be able to get a free copy of Kashmir's Magazine. Do we have time for another call or not? Okay, so thank you very much, Rabbi Lubinsky. It was a pleasure having well, you thank, aboard. 